stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, next month will mark the 55th anniversary uh, of an event that changed history in a lot of ways and still resonates to this day. The assassination of U.S. President John F. Kennedy. Uh, To this day, a lot of people believe uh, that we don't know the whole story about what happened that fateful day or that we don't know who really killed JFK. Certainly, the evidence seems to point to Lee Harvey Oswald as being the gunman, the lone gunman. But the conspiracy theories persist. And in a lot of ways, it can be kind of a, a gateway into other conspiracy theories. Because in order to try to make it all fit, I mean, you go pretty deep down the rabbit hole. It becomes a pretty big conspiracy. And if you're willing to believe in, in something like that, well, then perhaps you're going to be open to a whole lot of other conspiracies. So to me, there's a fascination about that and, and why to this day it is still something that, that preoccupies us in so many ways. It's something people still talk about. Uh, it's something people still want to read about. And I'm like a lot of people. When Stephen King released his book, 112263, I'm not typically a Stephen King guy. I ran out to get that book. And I'm sure we've all seen the movie JFK. Uh, Maybe we've even watched some CBC documentaries on the subject. Uh, There's a fascinating new book that I suppose in, in some ways is kind of part memoir about the author's own journey through all of this. But there's some interesting stories still to be told. Uh, about this. Uh, Fred Litwin is the author of a new book. It's called I Was a Teenage JFK Conspiracy Freak. It's a second book. Uh, first, a few years ago, Conservative Confidential Inside the Fabulous Blue Tent. Fred Litwin, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the oh, program. Thank you very much, Rob. Great to be here. Uh, you know, like I say, look, there's been so much written over the years that you're well aware of so many yep. different books about the JFK assassination. What, what did you want to, to bring to the table? Well, I thought there's a lot of very interesting stories that people really don't know. And, uh, for instance, the, uh, the true story about Oliver Stone's JFK. But I wanted to, to bring to the table, uh, again, this story of, of how I changed my views over time and why, and related to the fact that we're living in sort of this postmodern world today where truth doesn't seem to matter. And, in fact, truth is very important. And in this case, I wanted people to know the truth. Which I think is what it, it boils down to, doesn't it? Like, and, and that's you know, And everybody claims to want that. I mean, even people who are sort of on the outer fringes. I mean, we all want the truth, it seems. Yeah, we, we certainly do. And the truth is actually quite easy and available in this case. Um, there was no conspiracy, and Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy. But like you say, you, you didn't get to that point initially. And you be, and, and I think it's probably a lot of people that, that are similar to you, Fred, that you really dove headlong into the minutia of all of this. And, and you're a Canadian, right? I mean, so yep. what was yep. it about this story to you, especially as, as a young man, that, that just got you so involved? Well, I saw the Zapruder film on national TV in 1975 on Geraldo Rivera's show on ABC one night, and I, I saw the head, Kennedy's head snap back and to the left, and I really needed to understand why the Warren Commission said the shot came from the back, despite the movement of his head, and that led me on a quest to read a lot more and find out, was there a rational explanation for that? And indeed there was. And uh, but it led me into the rabbit hole of conspiracy and uh, reading every book I could find on the case. Yeah. 
Because you, you were very young. I mean, you were alive, but you were very young when the assassination occurred. But you were just kind of at that age, especially once the Zabruder film was shown publicly for the first time, where you're kind of a young adult, and maybe we're at that age where we're questioning things, maybe we're susceptible to, to this kind of conspiracy thinking, but you're old enough to, to understand it all and to dive headlong into it. Yeah, I was 18 and I was on the left, and, and uh, this seemed like a mystery that I really had to know more about. I certainly knew that Geraldo Rivera wasn't telling us the whole story. Uh, and of course he wasn't, uh, but that led to a lifelong fascination with, with fascination with the Kennedy case, and ultimately uh, changing all my beliefs over time. It's interesting, as you know, as you say, you, you started out as, as a young man on on the left, but when it comes to to JFK and the assassination and the various conspiracy theories, and you do a good job in the book showing how it's been both the far left and the far right that have advanced a lot of this. Yeah, it started off with the far left in the, in the 1960s. All the critics of the Warren Commission were on the left. They were very suspicious of American power, suspicious of the CIA, the mili- so-called military-industrial complex. And they had to explain how, how could this man be, what was he killed for? And so they looked for conspiracies. They looked for grand explanations and how Kennedy was going to withdraw from Vietnam and end the Cold War, and he had to be killed. And so they searched for all this, um, and now today you find people on the right looking at um, conspiracy because they're suspicious of the deep state. So we sort of have a confluence of of the far left and the far right right now. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. What to you was was the turning point where you sort of went from from JFK conspiracy theorist to to understanding uh, that the evidence points to uh, a single gunman? Well, in in 1978, there was a second investigation done in the United States by the House Select Committee on Assassinations. I was a bit busy in school to really look at all of their evidence, but in the early 90s, I got a CD-ROM of their 12 volumes of evidence, and as I went through it, I was astounded to see all the scientific tests they had conducted, ballistic, photographic, forensic, medical, and all the tests confirmed that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman. I was completely floored by all this evidence because you won't read about it in any conspiracy book. Yeah, what stood out to me and what was interesting, I hadn't read as as much in detail about all of this, especially the medical evidence, the autopsy evidence, that is so overwhelming. If you want to believe that there was a broader conspiracy or that there were other gunmen, there's no getting around the fact that, that Lee Harvey Oswald fired the shots that killed Kennedy. You can't get around the fact. I mean, it was his gun. He brought it that day. His palm print was on the gun. The 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 casings and the uh, one of the bullet and the fragments all traced back to his weapon. He killed a police officer later that day. There were eyewitnesses to that. Uh, the bullets. I mean, all the um, the shell casings traced back to his revolver. I mean, he left so much evidence, so much convincing evidence that he was guilty. Um, and it's hard to believe that people still to this day cling to his innocence. And, and especially the medical evidence, um, you know, that, that where the shot came from, where it, it entered Kennedy's body, uh, how that impacted him, it, it all points, I think, inescapably to that bullet coming from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Absolutely. The, the autopsy, x-rays, and photographs proved beyond a shadow of the doubt that Kennedy was shot from behind and that the wounds and the, the back wound of Kennedy lines up perfectly with John Connolly's um, shoulder wound. And if you trace that back, it goes right to the sixth floor window of the Texas School Book Depository. 
The medical evidence is crystal clear, and the autopsy x-rays and photographs are authentic. They were, uh, a lot of tests were done to make sure they were authentic, and they are. Which, you know, illustrates how, how big some of these conspiracy theories have gone over the years. It's one thing to say, you know, maybe it was Lee Harvey Oswald and a few other people. But if you're getting into the, the rabbit hole where all of that evidence was faked and even the Zapruder film was faked, as some have alleged, that's a massive, massive conspiracy, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what's so funny. It used to be the Zapruder film proved conspiracy, but as we began to uh, be more um, use more interesting techniques in analyzing it, it was clear it didn't show conspiracy, and so the conspiracy theorists then said it was faked. The same thing with the autopsy x-rays and photos in the 60s. They all said, we need to analyze them. We need to find out what they say. Once they find out that it's all consistent with a lone gunman, well, they've all been faked and phonied up and they're hiding the truth. So the conspiracy gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's not confined to the fringes either. I mean, you, you, you spend a lot of time in the book talking about the CBC. And there's a few people in particular at the CBC that you single out, but uh, that, that the CBC has done a shameful job in, in covering this story over the years. The CBC has been utterly disgraceful. Uh, there's one producer, Brian McKenna, who, is, who has produced six documentaries over the years, all conspiracy documentaries on the CBC, and he has talked to the weirdest, most ridiculous conspiracy theorists, uh, people who believe that uh, the wounds were altered after the, uh, right after the autopsy um, to make it look like um, he was shot by one assassin. Completely ridiculous. He continues to peddle this to the day. And it's an utter disgrace that the CBC has allowed this to go on for, for decades. And they're probably not done either, are they? No, I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, again, uh, this year, a few years from now, I'm sure they'll be back with yet another CBC documentary, and they'll roll out all the stock footage they used in the past, um, some crazy stuff that they keep on peddling. And I contrast that with PBS in the United States. PBS, their Nova Science Show, has done two great science documentaries on the science of the assassination, with talking to a lot of new experts using new forensic tests, um, all which, uh, which again, confirm a lone gunman. Um, the CBC could do that, too, but they, they love talking to conspiracy theorists. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I mean, you can't talk about JFK without talking about Oliver Stone. And, you know, certainly that's very much, I think, someone on, on the far left, but remains a bit of a, you know, a Hollywood hero. And what's really interesting, and, and you come at the film from a unique perspective, and I'm surprised that, that to this day Hollywood hasn't turned its back on this movie and on Oliver Stone because it was just so incredibly homophobic, wasn't it? Yeah, Oliver Stone made one of the most homophobic movies ever made. Um, basically, what Oliver Stone did was he basically uh, took a real-life case in which a prosecutor in New Orleans charged an innocent gay man in the 60s with conspiring to kill Kennedy. There was nothing to the case, and Oliver Stone decided to make the r ridiculous prosecutor the hero, and the innocent gay man, Clay Shaw, was turned into the villain. It's absolutely remarkable what Oliver Stone should, has done. In fact, I wish somebody would actually make a movie about the true story behind his film. Well, and you do a good job in the book, you know, telling that story and just how disgraceful Jim Garrison was and just the outrageous uh, prosecution of this otherwise respected businessman, uh, Clay Shaw. Um, they, they, they ruined his life. They did. And, and Jim Garrison, who was just, you know, a disgrace, he gets, he gets the hero's treatment in this movie. 
And, you know, the millions of people who have seen this movie, of those how many since then have actually been exposed to the real story of all of this? Probably a relatively small percentage. A very small percentage. And, I mean, it's, it's just hard to believe that Oliver Stone would make a film about a homosexual conspiracy to kill Kennedy. He was hoodwinked, um, and it's, he, it's so embarrassing, and yet he, he just goes, he just likes to dive deeper and deeper. Now he's claiming that the Zapruder film was faked, which is just ridiculous. Well, it is. I mean, it shows how bizarre it is, but it also illustrates, I mean, you, you do point to where there's, you know, some silver lining, I guess, or, or some reason for optimism, because uh, more people, it seems, are, are rejecting the conspiracy. But even still to this day, there are a lot of people who, who still believe all of this. You know, when, when I first got into this in the 1970s, there were no non-conspiracy books. All the books in the libraries were conspiracy. Now, if you go to the library, there's a lot of very good non-conspiracy books. And anybody new to the case has to get past those books and on the Internet, for the first time, when there's discussions on Facebook or elsewhere, the people who don't believe in conspiracy are able to fight back um, with facts and figures. And uh, it ha does have an impression on people. I think we're winning the fight here. Now, this book is not, you know, an 800-page tomb going through, you know, the litany of evidence. I mean, it's a very readable book, and you do a great job of, of laying out some of the evidence. But well, what do you hope people take from this? I, I hope that they'll learn a little bit about how to evaluate evidence and think about some of this sort of stuff that goes on. And I hope that they'll, uh, particularly the introduction, which shows you the fact that there are people out there who are peddling untruths and lies. Uh, and you have to be very, very careful where you go on the Internet. Um, it's a very, very tough time for people to really distinguish between truth and lies. Um, but truth does matter, and people have to know that if they do a good job, they can find the truth. And, you know, I mentioned in the introduction, it, it, it can be a gateway. I mean, if you're willing to believe there was this massive conspiracy to fake the Zapruder film and fake all the, the autopsy and medical evidence and, and everything else, that the, you know, that the moon landing was faked becomes pretty plausible, or that 9-11 was an inside job becomes pretty plausible. It's, it becomes easy to go down that, that rabbit hole, doesn't it? really easy and you start believing that there's this all-encompassing CIA who can do no wrong, who can do anything, who can stop people from, um, from telling the truth, could, could stop conspiracy theorists, although nobody's stopped conspiracy theorists over the years. They're still alive and well. Yeah. But it just gets, you know, again, you go down that rabbit hole and you end up with, uh, you can drive yourself crazy. Indeed. Well, the book is called I Was a Teenage JFK Conspiracy Freak. Fred, congrats on the book, and thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, take care. Uh, that is Fred Litwin. Uh, the book I Was a Teenage JFK Conspiracy Freak. Really interesting read. Nine Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.